One of the struggles we've not yet talked about too much till now is the problem of purposelessness. And I would imagine stuck at home, nowhere to go. Uh, we would all have been experiencing this at least to some degree. Very few of us are actually going out to our offices physically. And I guess there have been days where some of us have not had too much work. And perhaps you've struggled with a feeling of purposelessness during those days. Now, some of us are maybe students and schools are shut or some of us are looking for a job. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe we've all gone through days where there's not been too much work. And, and so at, at such times, uh, the feeling of purposelessness can be really sharp and acute. And so we're going to look at another psalm written by David this morning. I know we looked at the psalm uh, last Sunday, and we're going to look at another psalm today. But let me give us a quick background on the psalm before I read it out for us. We're going to be looking at Psalm 57 today. David, who wrote the psalm, uh, was a superstar. Even when he was in 20s, he was the shining uh, uh, hero of Israel. He had killed Goliath, whom no other Israelite had the guts to fight. Uh, And after beating Goliath, uh, David rapidly rose to become the most successful and the most powerful military general in Israel under King Saul. God, uh, through a prophet named Samuel, had promised that David would be king over Israel. But things didn't go to plan. Saul became jealous of David and, and tried to kill him several times. And so David had to run away and hide in the desert and in the wilderness. And he, had to, he was in hiding maybe for a period of anywhere between four to eight years. And oftentimes when he was hiding from Saul in the wilderness, he would run into caves and he would hide deep in the caves. The psalm we're looking at today, Psalm 57, was written by David when he was hiding in one such cave. Now, there are two, three places in his life where he was hiding in caves at different places. Now, we don't know exactly where this cave, uh, a cave was, uh, but um, he, we do know that this psalm was written in a cave. So in one sense, David was locked down to in a cave when he wrote this, this psalm. And uh, let me read the psalm for us. I'm going to read from Psalm 57, verses 1 to 8. And I'm reading from the ESV version. Psalm 57, verses 1 to 8. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For in you, my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge. Till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high. To God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. Selah. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down among fury beasts. The children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp spots, swords. 
Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. Stella. Verse 7. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. This is God's word. We're going to be looking at the entire passage today, but we're going to focus on just one verse, verse 2. I will cry to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. I'd like to draw two things for us from this one of purposelessness. That's the first, a healing for purposelessness. The problem of purposelessness and the healing for purposelessness. Those are the two things we're going to be looking at from this psalm this morning. Let's start with the problem of purposelessness. This was David's version of the lockdown. He couldn't step outside the cave for days, perhaps even weeks. Think of, think of him. Think of the situation he was in. Think of where in his life story he was in at this point in time. He had a highly successful and an extremely promising career going for him. Everything was going well and he was excited, looking forward perhaps to being king of Israel, looking forward, he was still young, looking forward to all the good things that life had and for him, looking forward to fulfilling God's purposes, to living out God's purposes. That's perhaps how all of us were before this virus hit this world. But then all of a sudden, David is hiding in a cave. He is sitting in a cave, totally locked on, and he's twiddling his thumbs. He didn't even have Wi-Fi in the cave. And at this time, hiding from Saul in the cave, David was afraid. He was anxious. He was worried. He even felt at different points of time, that God had forsaken him. We also know that he was also angry. We know all of this from the Psalms, from the many Psalms that David wrote during this period of his life. Now, I can't say with 100% certainty that David also struggled with the problem of purposelessness. But I do know that from this Psalm, David prayed for purpose. His cry to God in verse 2, pleading with God to fulfill his purpose, does suggest to me that David may have been struggling, also struggling with the problem of purposelessness, at least a little bit. David was not only locked down like all of us, but like most of us, he was perhaps also feeling at least a little bit of purposelessness while he was stuck in the cave, while he was locked down in the cave. The problem of purposelessness is not an easy problem to deal with. When we feel purposeless, we feel helpless. We feel unworthy. We feel bored, 
we feel we experience sometimes even self-loathing. I'm so bad. I, I, I'm not able to do anything. A feeling of self-loathing. When we go through seasons of feeling purposeless, all the joy is sucked out of us. And during these seasons, we feel cynical. We become restless. We become angry. We become bitter. We snap at people all the time, even our loved ones. Maybe some of us have experienced all of this in the, in the lockdown. And also, in such seasons of purposelessness, we become very vulnerable to the fleshly sins of, of gluttony, of, of pornography, or, or unhealthy binge watching on Netflix, or, or long hours of gaming. We become vulnerable to these sins because our soul is not satisfied. Our soul is seeking purpose. So if we can't find purpose, we try and find other things. Purposelessness also kills our motivation to do anything. We become lazy. We postpone everything. We just lay in the bed for hours. And if and when we finally get around to doing something, we quite often do a sloppy job of it. So purposelessness can drive people to laziness, to sloth, and lethargy. Purposelessness is like cancer. It, waste, it makes us waste away from within. Interestingly, uh, purposelessness can also sometimes drive some people to overwork. When, when we feel purposeless, we, we take on more and more meaningless work. And uh, perhaps even unnecessary work that's not going to make our lives better. And, and we just take on meaningless work so that we can run away from this deep pain of purposelessness. So, so we can feel purposeless both in our busyness and in our laziness. I'm hoping to show us today through the psalm that we have all perhaps understood the problem of purposelessness all wrong. I'm hoping to help us see that that we, we, we're thinking the wrong way about purposelessness. That's what I'm, one of the things I'm really hoping to help us see and then move to the solution for the problem of purposelessness. Look at verse 2, the verse we are focusing on today. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. And, and this verse tells us two very basic things about purpose. First, this verse tells us that God has a purpose for every one of us. This verse tells us that our purpose is not our own. This verse tells us that we do not have to create and we do not have to manufacture our own purpose. This verse tells us that we do not make up our own purposes. This verse tells us that God gives his purpose to us. We don't choose our own purpose. God gives us his purpose according to his sovereign plans. The second thing this verse tells us is that God fulfills his purpose for us. And that's what David is praying. God fulfill your purpose for me. God fulfills 
his purpose for us. He has a purpose for us. It is he who gives us purpose and it is he who fulfills it. It's not just one verse or one psalm in the Bible that gives us this idea that God gives us, God both gives us purpose and God also fulfills it for us. The Bible is full of passages which, which communicate this beauty, this truth to us. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work for the good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Or look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Or look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, all these are incredible assurances, assurances that God has a purpose for every one of us who believe in Jesus and he will fulfill it. God did not redeem us for purposelessness. That's not why he, he, he gave his son to die on the cross, that we might live purposeless lives. No, that is not the point. God redeemed us so that we might enjoy and live according to his purpose. So all of this means that no believer, no one who believes in Jesus can be without God's purpose. All of this means that purposelessness is not a real problem. It means purposelessness is only an imagined problem. Think about it. If God has given a purpose for us, if God all through his word is assuring us that he has given a purpose for us and he is going to fulfill it, what would you rather believe? His purpose for us or our feeling of purposelessness? Because God has promised all through scripture that he has a purpose and he will fulfill the purpose that he has given for every believer, it means, it can only mean that the problem of purposelessness, the feeling of purposelessness is not a real problem. It is merely an imagined problem. Let me help us see how we have misunderstood the problem of purposelessness. So based on everything I've said, let me, let me capture this in one sentence. The problem of purposelessness or the feeling of purposelessness does not flow from a lack of purpose, but it flows from our rejection, reduction, or corruption of God's purpose for us. Because God has assured us of a purpose the problem of purposelessness, the feeling of purposelessness can never flow from an actual lack of purpose. On the other hand, on the contrary, we feel purposeless sometimes because we've either rejected God's purpose or we've reduced God's purpose or we have corrupted God's purpose. We're going to have a short time of discussion after the sermon. And it is in that discussion that, that I want to together with us through uh, our discussions, through our own, each of our life journeys, I want to help us process and think about how every one of us, myself first, all of us, we feel purposeless because we've either rejected God's purpose and we're going to talk about how have we rejected God's purpose 
or we've reduced God's purpose or we've corrupted God's purpose. We're going to look at that in, in great detail in, in the time of discussion. But for now, allow me to move to the second and actually the last thing that I want to draw for us from the passage. And we're really going to discuss this together. The second thing I want to draw from the psalm is the healing for purposelessness. How does Jesus help us in our purposelessness? How can Jesus help us when during the times when we feel purposeless? The answer is there is in verses 3 and verse 7. And let me read them out for us from the psalm, Psalm 57. First, let me read the latter part of verse 3. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. That's verse 3. And then verse 7. This is David crying out, My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. The word steadfast holds the key here. First, David believes that God will send his steadfast love. God will send his steadfast love. How did God send his steadfast love? David didn't fully see it. He saw it only dimly. But we can clearly see how God sent his steadfast love. Jesus is the steadfast love of God that God sent out to bring us hope and purpose. Love came down. God sent his steadfast love by sending Jesus. The steadfast love of God is the solution to our problem of purposelessness. Jesus, the Son of God, he is the solution to our problem of purposelessness. Even as David was writing this psalm in the cave, he saw the full extent of God's steadfast love, that is Jesus, only dimly. He, he only had a hint of it. He, he only had a scent of it. He only had a hint of it, just a clue of it. He saw it only dimly. But on the other side of the cross, in the, in the new covenant of grace that we are in, when we see Jesus hanging on the cross, dying, bearing the punishment for our sins, for your sins and mine, we see the steadfast love of God fully and clearly. It is because of Jesus that God gives each of us purpose. And it is on account of Jesus' atoning sacrifice for us that God is absolutely committed to fulfilling his purpose for us. God is not going to rest. God cannot be kept quiet. God is not going to abandon us till he fulfills the purpose that he has called every one of us for. And, and we mess it up. 
we mess it up every single day. We're going to, in the time of discussion, you're going to see how we reject God's purpose, how we reduce God's purpose for us, and how we corrupt God's purpose for us. He, we mess it up every single day in all three ways. And yet, Jesus paid the punishment for all of it. And he is absolutely committed to restoring God's purpose for us in our lives. And so the solution for the problem of purposelessness is this. If our hearts remain steadfast on God who gives us purpose, we don't give ourselves our own purpose. If our hearts remain steadfast on God who gives us purpose, if our hearts remain steadfast on Christ, God's Son, who redeemed us, even though we reduce, reject, and corrupt his purpose. If our hearts remain steadfast on Jesus, then we can overcome the problem of purposelessness. And which is why David cried out, my heart is steadfast to God. My heart is steadfast. The more our hearts remain steadfast on Jesus, the more we overcome our problem of purposelessness. I know this sounds very easy, but this is so hard to live. You know, in the lockdown, scared, afraid, anxious, worried, even bored. How do we, how, how do we keep our hearts steadfast on Jesus? How do we train our hearts to remain steadfast on Jesus? That's a big question. We've got to figure that out. If we don't figure that out, everything I've said is, is not really going to help us. And the psalm has the answers for that. But as we do that, allow me to just, uh, I want us to feel the full force of the word steadfast. It's a rich word. The word steadfast, if you see, um, I want to keep the sermon short, so I'm not really going to all the details, but you can do it as a study. Just do a word search on steadfast. You will see the steadfast love of God. Uh, the, the root word for that is hesed. H-E-S-S-E-D. It's, it's a very rich word. You see that in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, you will see constantly Paul and the other apostles exhorting us to be steadfast. The word steadfast occurs, you know, several, maybe over a dozen times in the New Testament. It's, it's a very important word. And I, biblically, it's a very important word. And it's a very important discipline for us. And I want us to feel the full force, the full meaning of the word steadfast. David, and we all know the story of David. At one point in time in his life, David uh, uh, committed adultery with a woman uh, who was obviously not his wife, uh, Bathsheba. We, we know that story. And uh, he was called out for his sin by a prophet. And David repented. He repented genuinely. And out of a broken heart and a contrite spirit, in his repentance, in its humble, in his humble and genuine repentance, David wrote a psalm, Psalm 51. I want to read just one verse for us from that psalm. Uh, psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Renew 
This is David crying to God in repentance after he has sinned in the act of adultery and murder. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. What did David mean when he said, renew a steadfast spirit within me? What did David actually mean when he said in his moment of repentance, make me steadfast to God? What, what did David mean by that? I'll tell you what it means. Think about it. Think about the context. Think about everything David's done and think about this prayer. Make me steadfast to God. David is praying, Lord, if I ever see a beautiful woman naked again, give me the steadfast spirit to turn the other way. Sorry to put it so bluntly, but that's the meaning of the word steadfast. When we say, when David cries out, my heart is steadfast. When we desire for our hearts to be steadfast on God, it means to be strong. It means to be completely focused on Christ. That sin loses its power over us. In David's context, steadfast means when he comes into that situation, if he comes to that situation, like the situation with Bathsheba again, David is praying, God, may my heart love you. May the affections of my heart be aroused more for you than that thing which is wrong and and, and, and ungodly. That is the meaning of the word steadfast. To be completely focused on God's purpose that we are not distracted by anything else. That's the richness of the word steadfast. The question still remains. The challenge still remains. How do we train our hearts to be steadfast on Jesus? How can we disciple ourselves? How can we ask God to train our hearts to remain steadfast in Jesus? Look at the latter part of the very first verse. The the answer is there in this psalm for us. How do we remain steadfast? The answer is there in this psalm for us. Look at the latter part of the very first verse of the psalm. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I'm going to try and help us see something really interesting here. David is praying, I will hide in the shadow of your wings till the disaster has passed. David is not wishing away the disaster. David is not playing, Lord, wipe out the virus tomorrow. Lord, let the lockdown end tomorrow. Let us all be free. Let us let life back, get back to normal tomorrow. David is not wishing away the disaster. David knows that he has been locked down in the cave for some time. He's discerned that in God's sovereign will, he has to be in hiding for more time. He knows the solution is not going to come tomorrow. And David knows the disaster is here to stay for some time at least. And so David is not wishing away the disaster, but David is taking refuge in God in the disaster. So he's discerned and he has submitted to God's sovereign plan. I'm sure he does not understand it fully. I'm sure at that moment in his life, he did not understand why he had to run away from Saul for eight, seven, eight years for no fault of his. 
I'm sure David had no idea. He had, he had done nothing wrong. I'm sure David did not have all the answers. But he discerned God's sovereignty and he submitted to God's sovereignty. And in his time of trouble, in the day of disaster, in the season of disaster, in the years of disaster, David found refuge in God. David has discovered something profound here. David has discovered that steadfastness can be learned only in the storm. It cannot be built in calm seas. David has understood that training for steadfastness, that he can be steadfast in the Lord, he can learn to be steadfast in the Lord only in the storm, not in calm seas. We can train our hearts to remain steadfast on Jesus only, only, only by clinging to him during the storm. The steadfastness of our heart on God, steadfastness can be learned only in the storm. It cannot be built on calm seas. So friends, it is only during difficult and challenging times in the lockdown. It is only during these times. It is only by clinging to Jesus during these times as we are learning to do that we can learn to be steadfast. God, why are you allowing this? God, why are millions suffering? God, why are so many millions of migrant laborers going without food or opportunity to work? God, why am I shut down? God, why is my job at risk? All these questions, every one of these questions is a storm in our life. We learn fastness by clinging to Jesus, not by running away from it. This psalm helps us see this in, in another beautiful way. Look at verses 7 and 8. Really beautiful what David is experiencing here. Let me read those verses for us. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. The dawn. Look at the last sentence. David is saying, I will awake the dawn. I will awake the dawn. What does that tell you? When David in the middle of a psalm, when he writes, I will awake the dawn, what does that tell you? What does that tell us? It tells us that David has been crying through the night. He has been crying through the night and he has found hope in God late in the night and he is now eager to awaken the dawn with his praise. Maybe some of us have experienced this in the lockdown. Sleepless nights. Last night I struggled. I, I could not sleep till 3.30 or 4 in the, in, in the morning. And my soul kept wondering, asking questions. And here David was crying through the night. And you see that the first half of the psalm is him wenting, is him crying out to God. 
David spends the night crying, finds hope late in the night, and he's so excited by the hope he has found that he is now eager to awaken the dawn with his praise. Steadfastness is found only when we cling to Jesus in the dark and painful nights of the soul. Steadfastness in God cannot be found in days of comfort and luxury. And David is repeating, my soul is steadfast, O God, my soul is steadfast. David is repeating that statement twice for emphasis, that he's repeating it twice for emphasis, tells me that he is not whispering this in the calm, but he is shouting it out in the storm. My steadfastness, my heart is steadfast, O God, my heart is steadfast. He's shouting it out, he's screaming it out because the storm is still blowing. And he has to be heard above the storm. His conviction, the conviction of the soul needs to be heard above the gale of the storm. Steadfastness is built only in the storm. And here's the most important thing I want to tell you in the sermon. You can forget everything else, but I hope we remember this. God is building your steadfastness in him in this lockdown. That is what God is doing now. He is building your steadfastness and mine in this lockdown. The purposelessness we are feeling is not God denying our purpose, his purpose. The purposeless we are feeling is not God denying us purpose. It is all our our false and shallow purposes falling us, falling away, failing us, and disappointing us. We'll talk about that more in a time of discussion. So here and now in the lockdown, well, we might have so many other purposes. We might want to move on with our careers. We might, all those are good things. Uh, we might want the stock market to be back, and that's a good thing too. We might, we might want our mates to come back to work. You know, we might want all of those. We might want to go out, and we might want to gather together again. All those are good things. But right now, in, in this in this moment, God has no greater purpose for us than to make us steadfast in it. If you ask yourself, what is God's purpose for me? Whatever else you may answer, and they may all be true and good, but that answer is incomplete unless we shout out, unless we sing, unless we submit to God and say, God, you have no greater purpose for me in this lockdown than to make us steadfast in him. And that is exactly what he's doing in the lockdown. So would you... Would I, would we submit to his purpose? And that's really the application in the sermon. Allow him. Allow him to fulfill his purpose for you by making you steadfast in and through the COVID-19 storm. 
This is the good news. God has not abandoned us in the lockdown. On the contrary, he is using this very trial to make you and me grow in our steadfastness in him. Let us pray. Father, we we acknowledge, Lord, we repent for we for failing, Lord, for being indifferent to your greatest purpose of making us steadfast in you through the season. We repent for that. We ask your forgiveness and we believe that your Holy Spirit is changing our hearts, transforming our hearts even now. Lord, even as we move into this time of discussion and into communion after the discussion, Lord, we pray, Lord, may your word minister to us. Help us to process. Help us to internalize this. Allow us to submit to your word. Allow us to submit to your spirit through these discussions and allow us to submit to your purpose. We worship you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.